Hi, this is Stephanie, and you're listening to The Breakup, Ending My Unhealthy Relationship with Food. Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie, and thanks for listening to The Breakup. So last episode, you learned a little bit about me and how I was coming to terms with my fatness, and we're going to continue to talk about that today. Um, But first, just a quick surgery update. I am six days out from surgery. I am having um, a single anastomosis duodenal switch or loop DS surgery, and uh, I'm getting really nervous. The liquid diet that they have you on pre-surgery is pretty intense uh, and limited, so every single food sounds good right now, Um, but Nevertheless, she persisted and um, working through that and just anxious to get to the other side. I joined a um, online support group for people who are pre and post op. Um, If anyone listening is going through bariatric surgery, I would highly recommend joining the tribe with the sleeved dietitian. You can find her on Instagram. Um, There are so many resources and just being able to talk to people who are going through the same thing that you're going through or have just gone through it um, is really, really helpful and it's proven to be worth it. So I just wanted to share that fact with you. So as I come to terms with my fatness, like I said in that first episode, I'm really starting to perseverate on these two thoughts. As I lose weight, will I know that person now that I'm finally accepting who I am? And also, will the people around me accept this new version of me? And logical brain tells me that both of those things, you know, will be fine and and that my weight does not determine my worth. But emotional me is just a little confused as to how that's going to feel and what it's going to look like. So more to come on that. But for today's episode, I'd really like to focus on um, something that I've been diagnosed with. I had one listener request to hear more about the medical side of things. Um, So I'm going to lean into that for just a bit. Um, I have been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, or PCOS for short. If you give this a quick Google, you can find that usually people with PCOS experience Mr. Irregular Periods, maybe excessive hair growth for females, acne, infertility, and weight gain. Women with PCOS might be at higher risk for type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart problems, and endometrial cancer. So a very concerning thing. However, what I have found is that it is hard to find the appropriate treatment for PCOS. And I know a lot of people that have it or have been told that they have it, and that was kind of where the treatment ended. So I wanted to dig deeper into that and kind of figure out why. And another thing that doctors told me was that my weight directly... Um, impacted my having PCOS. And if I lost weight, it might even go away. So I wanted to find out if that was true. Uh, The National Library of Medicine says that polycystic ovarian syndrome is an obesity-related condition. As such, weight gain and obesity contribute towards the development of PCOS. However, there are also mechanisms whereby the development of PCOS can contribute towards further weight gain and hamper efforts to establish effective weight loss. So that last sentence was really interesting to me. If we do believe that PCOS is caused by weight gain or that weight impacts PCOS, 
but we also know that it can also impact your ability to lose weight, then telling a patient, hey, you need to lose weight and then this thing will go away, probably isn't the best advice. And that's the advice I was given. You need to lose weight, try eliminating carbs. But that was really where the advice ended. And this is not something that was brought up yearly at my OBGYN exams. I usually was the one to bring it up. Like, do I need to continue on these medicines? What are they for? I think I mentioned in the last episode that I didn't even know what they were for. So a little more research into this. And I and I looked at uh, an article from the Cleveland Clinic. The exact cause of PCOS is unknown. There is evidence that genetics play a role. Several other factors also play a role in causing PCOS higher, and and this is what it is. It's higher levels of male hormones called androgens. And the high androgen levels prevent the ovaries from releasing eggs in ovulation, which can lead to the irregular menstrual cycles and also infertility. But let's just talk about it as that. Let's talk about it as, hey, you're a woman who has an imbalance of hormones, and we need to address that. That seems much more forthcoming to me, less opinion-based. If we know that it has to do with these hormones in your body and how you process them, tell me that. And then tell me how we're going to combat it together. That seems like a better medical treatment plan to me. But again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I found a really interesting article while I was researching this episode in Bustle. Um, and I mean, take that for what it is. I don't really know a lot about Bustle in their journalistic integrity, but... Um, They did an article in 2019 called Nine Things Doctors Want You to Know About PCOS. And for me personally, I have to say, do they want you to know or did this doctor want you to know? Because my doctor didn't tell me these things. So to quote, Penn Medicine states that the correlation between weight and PCOS is about the body's inability to use insulin properly, which can lead to weight gain. But PCOS affects women of all shapes and sizes. Often, lifestyle changes are recommended so that the way your body uses insulin can change. And thus, this may better regulate your hormones. Okay, so this part was really interesting to me because when I started my weight loss journey to work towards bariatric surgery, my doctor, I finally found a really great doctor. And if anyone is in the Dayton, Ohio area and looking for a great doctor, send me a DM on Instagram at the breakup underscore podcast and I'll tell you her name. But um, and she broke this down for me and said, your body is insulin resistant and it is not processing insulin in the appropriate way. And so she prescribed a medicine called Ozempic and it is an injection um, and it is prescribed for patients with diabetes. I had been told that I was at risk for diabetes. So like hearing that I needed to take this medicine was really crazy. But for the first time in my life, I felt like I was processing sugar correctly. And that's a really weird thing to explain. Something about after I ate, the feeling of fullness, the way I felt if I ate too much sugar, the way I felt when I was really hungry, there was like this bottoming out feeling. Those are these were these just sensations I'd never had before. I would have swollen feet and ankles a lot. And once I started this medicine, that stopped. Um, and so when I saw this in this article, 
I thought, yeah, this, I think this is definitely something that needed addressed. And my doctor was able to do that. But the thing that infuriated me when I read this was, why didn't anyone do that when I was 16 years old and diagnosed with PCOS? Why didn't anyone tell me at 16 years old, hey, your body doesn't process insulin properly. You should probably look at these types of medicines. And hey, maybe it wasn't invented. I know um, Ozempic or semiglutide, whatever the scientific name is, um, you know, is a fairly new drug. But I have a hard time believing that there were other drugs in this classification. Um, you know, one of the drugs that they do treat PCOS with is metformin, which is for people with diabetes, but it didn't, it wasn't helpful. It didn't do anything, but this different injection Ozempic really seemed to make me in tune with my body. I had less hunger urges. I had, uh, I was full faster. I was eating less food. It just seemed like my body was really doing things that it had never done before. And it and it felt good. And I was losing weight. There are some clinics and even doctor's offices that will prescribe Ozempic for weight loss. And I don't really know how doctors find the uh, differentiation there. My doctor was aware that that was a side effect and thought that this would help me. And it has. I have lost 52 pounds pre-surgery. And I think a lot of that is due to taking the Ozempic and and also just, you know, listening to those cues and, and adjusting my eating accordingly. But maybe we're turning a tide. Maybe this is, you know, an awakening to address the underlying causes of some of these things instead of just writing it off as weight. Oh, you're fat. You have this. Here's a pill and bye. So I'm hopeful. But again, back to the Bustle article. It goes on to quote Dr. Keisha Gaither who says that PCOS is an endocrine disorder. That was also interesting to me because if it's an endocrine disorder, why didn't anyone ever send me to an endocrinologist? If I had this thing and it was a specialized thing, maybe an endocrinologist could have helped me. Um, But that was not something that I was ever told. Number three on the list is that, quote, PCOS is rarely proactively addressed. And to that, I say, why the fuck not? Why isn't it proactively addressed? And I'll tell you what I think. And this is my opinion. It's that we have decided that PCOS is weight related. And if people just weren't as lazy and lost the weight, then they wouldn't have this problem. It couldn't possibly be that there were other things going on in the body that could cause that could cause PCOS. But imagine if 16-year-old me had been told, hey, you have an endocrine disorder and you need to see an endocrinologist and we're also going to address the imbalance of hormones in your body as well as the fact that your body is insulin resistant and not currently processing insulin in a proper way. Those are tools that I could use. That's information that's helpful. But that's not what I was told. I was told you're fat, you need to lose weight, cut carbs, take this medicine, and have a nice day. See you in a year. That blows my mind. And then you have to start thinking all of the teasing, all of the overthinking, all of the, you know, things that you go through as a fat person 
Because as I also shared, this is not new. This is not new for me. This has been my whole life. Could that trajectory have been different? And that is a dark path. So I choose not to look back. I am grateful that I had, you know, this experience with a doctor now who was willing to get me what I needed. But it does make you think. As I was researching, I started looking into Ozempic or its generic name, semaglutide, and trying to figure out, you know, its history. But before before I went there, I kept looking at PCOS. We'll get back to that. The National Library of Medicine also said, and I quote, all women with PCOS should be treated for insulin resistance. And that was in 2012. 65 to 70% of women with PCOS have insulin resistance. 65 to 70%. And part of the insulin resistance appears to be dependent Part of the insulin resistance appears to be independent of obesity and related specifically to PCOS, with abnormalities of cellular mechanisms of insulin action and insulin receptor function having been documented. So essentially, the hyperinsulinemia feeds the hyperandrogenemia. See, this is what happens when I try and talk scientific. So the hyperinsulinemia feeds the hyperandrogenemia and directly increases the excess androgen production. This is exactly what the problem is. And this is why metformin is prescribed. But again, no one told me this and it never really worked for me. There was no follow-up. So from here, this is when I deep dove into what is ozempic and why is it helping people both with PCOS and losing weight. So medlineplus.gov tells me that semiglutide is an injection in a class of medication called incretin mimetics. It works by helping the pancreas to release the right amount of insulin when blood sugar levels are high. And the insulin helps move sugar from the blood into the body tissues where it is used for energy. Byproduct is increasing sugar metabolism. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. In June of 2021, the FDA approved semaglutide to be used as treatment for chronic weight management. Fun fact, insurance companies are usually far behind uh, medical advancements and the FDA apparently because many insurances will not pay for Ozempic for weight loss management. I have a friend right now who is struggling with that. I was very fortunate. I honestly think it has to do with diagnosis codes, though. I'm, I'm diagnosed as pre-diabetic, so I think that that is why my insurance would cover it. Why is this important? It is important because we must recognize that there are underlying causes to fatness. People do not choose to be fat. Not all people. And when we can address that there are underlying causes to fatness, we can help people address that. I started taking Ozempic in October, and like I said, it has helped a lot as far as my feelings of hunger, fullness, the way my body processes sugar, and I've lost a lot of weight. I can't help but feel frustrated that a younger me didn't have all the facts or didn't understand 
the older I get, the more I feel that it is my responsibility to do the research and understand. But how many people go into a doctor's office and expect that they're going to be informed by their doctor or that they're going to be diagnosed and that diagnosis is going to be explained in a world where office visits are scheduled 10, 15 minutes at a time, insurance companies pay based on how many people you see in a day. You know, we are not set up to have those long conversations that need to happen for someone to have an understanding of what someone is telling them. And you heard me in this episode stumble through some of those scientific words. When someone's speaking jargon to you, are you really taking in what they say? I just think that we need to do a better job of doctor-patient interaction and care. And also, I empower everyone to do their own research. I don't know if I would know what I know if I wasn't doing this podcast. I've learned a lot, but man, my eyes were still opened by things I learned during research for this episode. I hope you've learned something too. And um, I'm going to continue to dive in. It's a process. It's a journey, really understanding what was and where I'm headed. But I'm grateful to be on it with you. Thanks for listening. Interested in learning more about today's episode? Be sure to visit www.thebreakuponline.com and head to the check it out section where you can read articles in full. Or follow me on Instagram at thebreakup underscore podcast for more information and updates. I'd love to hear from you. Visit www.thebreakuponline.com and click contact to share your stories. Please be aware that I am not a doctor or a dietitian. I'm not a medical professional at all. And the thoughts and feelings shared in the breakup are all based on personal experiences. They're opinions. Now, sometimes those opinions are based on facts from my own personal research, but please conduct your own research and come to your own conclusions before making any lifestyle changes. Thanks for listening.